Having car problems? Well, with Rhoda, getting them fixed is as easy as ordering takeout. They'll come pick up your car for free, do any repair or maintenance needed, and return it right to your driveway. They'll even give you a complimentary video inspection of your car so you can see what needs to be done. Perfect for those of us that maybe aren't so car savvy. Book your appointment online at roda.com. And lucky for you, CityCast listeners get a 20% discount on any service for up to $100 off. Just use the code CityCast20. Today on CityCast DC, Mayor Bowser says that she's redoubling her efforts to reverse the council's move to pull police who have been serving as school resource officers out of DC public schools. The Metropolitan Police Department's School Safety Division was once staffed by 100 school resource officers. It's now down to 40, with the division set to disappear altogether by July 2025. WAMU's Martin Ostermule spoke to students, parents, and school resource officers to find out how they are feeling about the effort to get police out of D.C. schools. Today is Monday, February 27th. I'm Bridget Todd, and here's what DC's talking about. So Martin Ostermule, you've been reporting for WAMU about police officers being phased out of D.C. public schools. What I really liked about your reporting is how you talked to so many folks who were actually directly impacted by what happens here. And these are the ones that we know are kind of so often left out of the conversation, especially when it comes to students. What did the kids that you spoke to have to say? Like, do they want police in their schools or no? Well, I mean, thanks for noticing that. The one thing I even realized in my own reporting, which has been I've been covering this for the better part of a year and a half, is that a lot of us as reporters hadn't gone out to schools and spoken to students. We also even hadn't spoken to school resource officers to kind of get their perspective on what it is they do. But anyhow, yes, I did talk to students about it. I spoke to some students at Eastern High School on both sides of the issue. And there were students that said, listen, I like having a school resource officer here. He makes me feel safe. He's someone I know I can go to if there are issues. Um, it's just a kind of a calming presence in a very uncalm world, I guess, for lack of a better term. And then there's other students who had a very different perspective, which is, look, police officers in schools can be unsettling for students who have bad experiences with police officers out of schools. And especially at the high school level, where you're talking kids who are 15 and above, and especially kids who are black, Latino, they may have bad interactions with police officers in their neighborhoods. And so that sort of like triggering impact in school, a place where they're supposed to feel safe, was something they felt very passionately about. So just to level set, what is the difference between a police officer and an SRO or a school resource officer? So in the district and a lot of places, school resource officers are sworn officers. They, you know, they join the police department, but they're specially trained to work inside schools. And this is actually one thing every school resource officer made clear to me. This isn't just a patrol officer that's tossed into a building and called an SRO. They go through an additional set of training. So they understand how to work with students and they understand the additional responsibilities that they're going to have inside a school building. So another important thing to note is that school resource officers are not security guards. They're not the ones standing at the door, kind of if there's a metal detector, they're not checking bags. That's not their role. They're more there as a kind of liaison for the police department and the school system. And if there are issues in the neighborhoods around the schools, they kind of can bring that intelligence in and say, listen, we're hearing this. There's some beefs between these two neighborhood crews. There's some kids from the crews that go to these schools. We should be aware of of kind of things that could break out or if things are breaking out in the school, kind of how they link back to stuff in the neighborhoods. So that was the way they described themselves. A lot of these school resource officers were like, listen, we're the sorts of people. Yes, they will be there 
to respond if there's like fights that break out. They'll be there to kind of address any sort of emergency situations. They're on the spot to do it more quickly. But they just develop relationships with students that gives them a sense of what's going on with everybody and where problems could eventually arise. And they said that's valuable because if something happens at a school and you just call a normal patrol officer, they just come in blind. I mean, they don't know who the kids are. And the school resource officers I spoke to said, we know who the kids are. We know what some of the pre-existing issues are so we can respond appropriately. Whereas a patrol officer might literally come in and just be like, I see kids fighting. They're all, you know, I just have to stop this. This is a target I have to deal with. And they may not approach it appropriately. How do school administrators and teachers feel about this? Like, do they feel that the SROs are actually allies helping to protect the children or like a negative presence in the school or something else? I think it's all over the place. The one thing I will say earlier this year, Mayor Muriel Bowser held a meeting with school leaders from across the city, from both charter and public schools. And the press was not invited into the meeting, but I heard from multiple sources that a lot of school leaders were saying, listen, school resource officers are important for us. Like we find them valuable and we'd like to keep them in the school system. Um, So please don't remove them. So fight to keep them in the schools, basically. I've spoken to staff on both sides of the debate. I think there are staffers who say, listen, a good school resource officer can be invaluable to just keeping people safe, making people feel safe. And others say they just think it's inappropriate. That's the wrong use of resources. It sends the wrong message. Like, why are you policing certain schools, but not other schools? What what does that tell kids? Um, And what does it say about how you're using the resources that you have? Instead of having extra counselors, maybe, or mental health professionals, you have a school resource officer. So there was a lot of that. One thing I found fascinating is that some of the teachers I spoke to grew up with police officers in their own schools. Like they, they had been through this themselves as kids, but this was when the officer-friendly program existed, when these police officers would come in at the elementary level. And they these folks who even now are critical of school resource officers had good memories of the officer-friendly program. So they felt even internally conflicted that it's not as easy as just saying, I'm anti-police or I'm pro-police. There's a lot of like gray area nuance in there. When was the last time you went to the theater? Well, we have a new show for you to check out. The Gala Theater in Columbia Heights is showing the political musical comedy Museum in the Closet, Avida's Return, which follows Argentine icon Eva Perón to the afterlife as her preserved corpse ignites political scandals, clandestine affairs, and mysterious murders. The show is full of samba, reggae, and tango that will have you tapping your feet nonstop. The show is in Spanish with English surtitles and will run from May 9th through June 9th. Get your tickets now at galatheater.org or call 202-234-7174. So let's talk about the, the sort of complexities of this issue, because we know it is so politically fraught. The council is actually pretty divided on it. There's been just enough support for phasing out these officers out of school that it keeps passing. As you mentioned, uh, Bowser is very vocally against this plan. So I would love to kind of back up a little bit. What is the history of police in D.C. schools and when did people start advocating for a change around this? Police officers in some capacity or another have been in D.C. schools for decades. I think it was about two decades ago um, after some incidents in schools, there was an expansion of a, of a contract to bring more kind of contracted security into schools to help out. Um, so again, like I think the history is, is is like it is in a lot of urban school systems is that there's just concern about violence and crime and things getting into schools or happening in schools and wanting a police response right there. But fast forward until 2020, when George Floyd is murdered, there's this big kind of explosion of protests and discussions about the role of policing in society. 
And, you know, policing in schools became a, a hot topic. People, the folks who are very critical of the role of police in America are saying, listen, if we have concerns with what police are doing on the streets, why are we having them inside school buildings where kids could literally be frightened, could be triggered by them? It just, it's not a good, it's not a good look. It's not a good feel for them. So the council two years ago as part of the budget basically decided to zero out the MPD division that has that, you know, has the school resource officers over the course of five years. So by 2025, they would be gone. The mayor pushed back on it. So, and then the council pushed back on her and there was this back and forth fight. But at the end of the day, the council ended up winning. So by 2025, at that point, there won't be any more school resource officers. But like you said, you know, it wasn't a clean cut debate. It wasn't as simple as other things like body worn cameras, like pretty across the board. People are just like, yes, that's a good idea. You know, better training, better discipline, that sort of stuff was easy to get through local legislative bodies. But, you know, school resource officers did not come down as cleanly. Yeah. I mean, I'm someone who is pretty uniformly like questions the role of police and if they need if, they, if we need police in certain situations like that's definitely how I feel but it's interesting how this is an issue that as you said is not clean cut where it's like if, if I also think that we should be advocating for like listening to parents listening to kids listening to administrators who according to your reporting like they are saying like no this can be a helpful thing this these can be allies these can help be a stabilizing presence in the school so yeah it's interesting how it's definitely not an issue that is so clean cut, even for a lot of us who I feel like when you hear about the idea of police in schools, your first automatic thing is absolutely not bad idea, not safe. Yeah, no, totally. And it's gotten I think it's obviously more complicated with the national issue of, of the fear over gun violence in schools, like mass shootings and stuff. I mean, but there even there it cuts both ways in Texas. When there was a school shooting, police were criticized for their response. But then there's other places where people say, listen, you know, a police officer, there could be the difference between lots of people dying and, and, and fewer people dying or no people dying. But yeah, I think that the discussion is nuanced enough that, you know, it got slightly lost in, in the conversations around police reform. This is not just a D.C. thing. I mean, it's it's playing out in D.C. I've reported on it in D.C., but this very similar debate happened in Alexandria. It happened in Montgomery County, where they quickly pulled out their police officers after 2020 and then somewhat reversed course. Like Montgomery County didn't fully send police officers back in, but they renamed them so they're no longer school resource officers and they kind of kept them a little bit outside the school but still around the school and around those neighborhoods so they kind of they tried to navigate some sort of middle ground and alexandria just went straight back and forth i mean they took them out then they put them back in and now there's debate as to whether they should stay in um i know this debate is playing out in boston it's played out in parts of california so this isn't just a dc thing i think it's a it's an interesting debate nationally and even locally like i said the dc council never had a public hearing where they said like come one come all we want to hear from everybody on different sides of this debate to see where people land and if we can like if there is a middle ground to be had or if we have to choose either way yes to police or no to police in schools so as a parent of kids in D.C. schools, how are you feeling about this? My kids go to a charter school in, in the district where there is not any formal security. I mean, they're at the elementary level. But my wife is a teacher at a school, a charter high school, where there's no security at all. There's no metal detectors. There's no kind of police on site. So I want to think that's the schooling I want for everybody. I don't think we should live in a country where police are necessary in schools. Again, that's very idealistic. I also recognize that, you know, even in my kids' elementary school, Every time there's a shooting within five blocks of the school, MPD tells them to go into lockdown just as a precaution. Like that's the situation with gun violence. And as a parent, you irrationally get terrified when you hear that. So you think whatever it takes to protect kids, we should do. But again, you know, I, I have I come with my own specific backgrounds and privileges and biases. I have like my my take on this. I recognize that different parents in different parts of the city with different experiences will fall on different sides of it. Um, so I realize it's extremely complex. 
From a legislative perspective, what's next on this story? Like, what's Bowser's next step if she actually wants to push to reverse this policy? Well, the next big thing is she's going to introduce her budget next month. She could propose basically reinstating the school security division to keep SROs in schools to kind of essentially reverse what the council had done. I don't know if she's going to do it through the budget. There is also talk that some council member um, or multiple council members might introduce a bill to kind of reverse what the council did last year. Because again, like I said, when the council made its move last year, it did it on an eight to five vote, which is there's a three vote majority there for getting uh, cops out of schools. But there's enough wiggle room there. And I think there, there could be enough debate to convince people. And one of the people who's been most critical, and this is an interesting side of it, council member Trayon White from Ward 8 he actually has sided with the mayor on wanting to keep police officers in schools. And I think that caught some people off guard because he's generally speaking, he's been critical of police, he's pro-police reform. But this is one issue where he said he's concerned that in Ward 8 schools, the lack of a school resource officer could leave kids at danger, not just in the school building, but when they're walking to and from school on a daily basis. Well, it really speaks back to the, the complexity of the issue that you were speaking to earlier, how, you know, in some situations, people that you might expect to be advocating for getting cops out of schools are like, actually, that actually might be creating an unsafe situation. Yeah, absolutely. And it's kind of one of those funny things. It's always easier as a reporter to get the sort of story where literally everybody is like on either side. Mm-hmm. And just that's what it is. You have like, that is that side. This is the other side. And this is kind of what I can, I'm reporting on. But it is more kind of realistically satisfying when there are people who have very nuanced views on this and say, listen, you know, I, I understand the concerns about police. And I understand the concerns about what it looks like when you have police in schools, but I also I'm concerned about what it means to take them out. And there was one person I spoke to who is both a parent of five boys and a Schwartz at a charter school. And she had this really interesting perspective where she's like, listen, I, I think SROs can be wonderful if used appropriately, and they can be terrible if they're weaponized by school administrators. And she was like, listen, we want SROs to be human figures who humanize what the police does to students and can be resources to the students. And that could require having them there, but not in uniform, not with a weapon, kind of not like a traditional police officer, which I thought was a really kind of interesting take. She also said, you know, she understands it's it's depressing to think that, you know, in certain schools that police have to be that ever present figure. And, you know, what, what sort of message are you sending to kids and parents that that's, that's where we are? How do the SROs feel about this? Have you spoken to them? Yeah, I spoke to two long, longtime SROs. I mean, one at Eastern High School, one at Kramer Middle School in in uh, Anacostia. You know, it's funny because I walked in there not not knowing what to expect, and there were first of all, all, both of them longtime SROs. One had been an SRO for two decades, the other for a decade. So they're committed to the cause. Like this isn't a, a kind of a part time posting for them. And they just find value in what they do. And admittedly, you could call this self preservation. They don't want to lose. Like they're not going to lose their job, all told, but they would lose that posting. But they both felt very committed to what they did and the value of it and, and what they think it brings to school communities, to kids, to parents, to, to staff and to the city generally. Um, and they think the council kind of jumped the gun a little bit, so to speak, on on deciding to cut SROs altogether and did it without getting all the input that they think that these SROs say would be necessary or should be should be taken in. So speaking of input, I know that you mentioned that there has not been a public hearing on this issue, but how can folks listening make their voices heard? I mean, the best I can say, if there is legislation that comes through the council at some point, which I've heard rumors of, I haven't gotten confirmation that anything is going to happen just yet, but at some point something could, there would then be the usual public hearing process. And then people would, that's where people would be able to, to weigh in. But yeah, if legislation is introduced sometime this spring, which again, I've, I've heard rumors of it, uh, that would mean that it sets off a legislative process, which involves public hearings. Martin Ostermill, thank you so much for being here. And thank you for the, your coverage of this story. 
Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And before you go, some quick news. Starting tomorrow, DC Health is suspending its COVID-19 self-service testing kiosk program and rapid test distribution at libraries and senior centers. If you're still looking for COVID-19 tests in the city, DC Health still operates its COVID centers and also recommends checking at your local pharmacy or healthcare provider. Meanwhile, Metro's new 8,000 series trains might get a serious upgrade. Wamana is exploring an open gangway, meaning riders could flow between cars with ease. It remains to be seen if open gangways will be in certain carriages or run the entire length of the train. The new 8,000 series cars are slated to be on tracks in 2025. Additionally, the Rental Housing Commission just approved the maximum rent increase percentage for rent-controlled units. Residents in rent-controlled units could soon see their rents increased by as much as 8.9% come May, which would be the highest increase the city has seen since 1982. And it's coming at a time of massive displacement of Black and low-income residents. Finally, no charges will be filed against the D.C. police commander, Jason Bagshaw, who shot and killed 23-year-old Lazarius Wilson at the wharf last summer. Wilson was carrying a gun and a bag with $30,000 in cash inside when Bagshaw, who was off-duty, approached him. Prosecutors said they could not find evidence beyond a reasonable doubt to prove that Bagshaw used excessive force in this case. And today's DC life hack comes from our guest, Martin Ostermule. Martin says that DC is the perfect size city for an electric bike. So if you've always wanted one, go buy it. You can get across the city pretty easily and not be pouring sweat. Overall, a big win. That's all for today here on CityCast DC. And if you've enjoyed the show, why not tell a friend, rate the show, leave us a review and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with even more news from around the city. Talk to you then. 